0: Well, that's a catchy little tune, isn't it? All right, that's great. Uh, Thanks to all those who did Love Works projects in the community this week. Yeah, we had a crew here yesterday morning. Uh, I popped into the office to look at a few things, and uh, we had a whole crew in here that was uh, ready to go paint in the community, uh, an apartment for a lady. Yeah, thanks for everybody who did projects this week to show the love of Jesus Christ. Well, whatever the reason is that you're here in attendance today, we're all glad that you're here. And in the month of February, we've been in a sermon series called, believe it or not, Love Works. That's what everybody's wearing. And so we've kind of getting that theme out there, and it's very simple. But in combination with the messages, God has allowed us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ through many service projects here in the community. And this morning, uh, works in our community is the topic we'd like to cover. Children of God have been given explicit instructions by our Father regarding the treatment of our neighbors, which we saw last week, and also the treatment of public servants. And in the message today, we're going to visit passages in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 2 and also Titus 3 that reveal the responsibility of a Christian citizen. And whether or not you're a believer in Christ, I hope that through this message you'll keep an open mind and heart about these principles from God's Word. So let's go first to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3. The notes are provided in your bulletin for the message if you'd like to follow along with us in that way. Titus is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to a young pastor in 65 A.D., and just to give a little of a backdrop to the passage, 65 A.D. was the year after Emperor Nero in Rome had started a fire in the city to make room for his palace. So he had burned down part of his own city to make room for the palace. Great public servant. You may have heard that he blamed the fire on Christians, and even martyred some of them. They were the scapegoats for his fire. By the time Paul wrote this letter, a year later, 19 of Nero's henchmen had been arrested for allegedly plotting against their leader, and they were forced to commit suicide. Um, The year that this letter was written was also the year that Nero kicked his wife, that used to be his mistress, Papoea Sabina, to death after an argument in the palace. And so that's kind of the setting for where this letter was written. Unique time. And yet under the umbrella of that political environment, Paul, who would himself be killed by Nero two years later, penned these words to young Titus. Titus 3, verses 1 and 2. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And let's pray. Father, would you work now in these short minutes today as we speak your word. I pray that truth would be proclaimed and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to see the message in four parts this morning. Let's see first the call To yield to authority. Children of God have been given a call to yield to authority. It's remarkable that under the great oppression of the Roman Empire. And all the things that were taking place. That Paul would give these words that we just read. Be subject to principalities and powers. Obey magistrates. And Paul was simply delivering to Titus the authority structure that mankind has been given by our Creator. Thomas Jefferson got it right. We are definitely endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, we're also endowed by our Creator with human authority. Romans 13 at verse 1 which we studied in our life groups this morning, says this. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And so all authority comes from God. Every person in authority is still under authority. Three important institutions have been designed and mandated by God to bring order to civilization. The family, ordained by God in Genesis chapter 2, where God himself performed the first wedding uh, between Adam and Eve. The government, which was instituted in Genesis chapter 9, right after the worldwide flood. And then the local church, which was started by Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 16. In each of these institutions, there is a God-given authority structure. And people can attempt to revise the history of these institutions as being designed by man or manufactured by men. but their true origin is evident. There is no power but of God. All power that is given comes from God, and He allows us to use it for a time. If we really had power, you know what we could do? We could stop ourselves from dying. I mean, if we really had power, right? We, we could stop the whole process. When you come to a yield sign out in the community, you may not like the yield sign. Maybe you don't like that shape. What is the shape of a yield sign? Triangle, just testing. These guys are watching you here this morning. And maybe you don't like the color of the yield sign. What's the color of the yield sign? Is it bright red? Yellow? I'm hearing some things here. (laughs) There's perhaps some colorblind people in the audience today. Maybe that yield sign is an inconvenience to your wishes. Could be that you don't respect that yield sign's right to exist. But common sense says this if you blow through the yield sign, things get messy. It doesn't matter what your opinion is about the yield sign, you go through it enough times without stopping, and life's going to get messy for you. You know, things get messy when human beings fail to yield to authority structure. We see it all around us. Homes are being broken with even the family institution itself being redefined by many. Churches are in the news on a regular basis, sometimes not good news. Anytime that there's a failure by a leader or a weakness in the church, it often becomes public. Governments around the globe are full of scandals, sometimes riots, sometimes bloodshed. The duly elected president of Ukraine fled his home yesterday. It is in hiding in his own country. Right, wrong, or indifferent, we've got issues in the human race. They come from us not yielding. That's what they all come from. And we've been given a call to yield to authority. That's God's principle. And I know that some of you might be asking, because you're from Idaho and you're independent and you're mavericks, well, what if I disagree with my authority. What happens then? And I'm so glad you asked because I put the message just the way where when you asked that question, I could answer it. So thank you very much. I appreciate you doing that. And the second part of the message is the call to serve with meekness. Now look at verse two once again. They're in the scriptures. To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle showing all meekness unto all men, to speak evil of no man. I think we're all familiar with the Ten Commandments, rules given by God for the fledgling nation of Israel to establish civil authority. These laws became really the foundational model for many future governments, including the United States. Um, two chapters after the Ten Commandments were given, though, there was another commandment. It's in Exodus 22 and verse 28, and it's an interesting commandment. Here's what it says. Thou shalt not revile the gods. Not talking about deity here, but about civil authority. See, back in that environment, during that time period, the folks who are here today would be called gods. Right? Now, they don't want to be called that, I don't think, here today. But that was what they were called. And and so it said, thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. So even if you disagreed with him, you couldn't revile him. You couldn't curse him. You couldn't talk about him as a person in a negative way. And so... Some of you are already, I see you bristling up at this. You're telling me that people in authority get a free pass? That they don't have accountability? No, no, I'm saying that disagreements with civil authorities are supposed to be done, well, civilly. They're supposed to be done civilly. Now, Paul used two words in this verse that are just unique. He used the word gentle, and he used the word meekness. It is instructions to Titus. Titus was supposed to treat the Roman emperor himself and all of his henchmen gentle and with meekness. Now he also made a point of saying that brawling isn't the way to get your point across. You know, one of the key architects of the Constitution of the United States was a guy named Alexander Hamilton. He was the first secretary of the treasury under George Washington. And you may know him because his picture is on the $10 bill. Do you see that ad in a newspaper this last couple weeks? Somebody uh, said that Alexander Hamilton was one of the presidents, and it made national news. But he wasn't. He was the secretary of the treasury. But back in 1800, they had a presidential election, and, and Hamilton was in the electoral college when that presidential election came about. In the election, there was a tie between Thomas Jefferson and a guy named Aaron Burr. And Alexander Hamilton changed history by casting the deciding vote. He didn't like either guy, and he had made it known, but he didn't like Aaron Burr at all. Like he had made it known this guy was a Burr under his saddle. I don't know if that's where the phrase came from, but he didn't like Aaron Burr at all. So he voted for Thomas Jefferson, who became the third president. Burr became his useless, cantankerous vice president. He was opposed to Jefferson in every measure that took place. Well, Aaron Burr was not a forgetful man. Four years later, he was attending a dinner party where Hamilton was president. And after he felt like Hamilton insulted him at the dinner party, he challenged him to a duel. And on July 11th, 1804, in the United States of America, the sitting vice president of the United States and the former secretary of the treasury shot it out. Hamilton lost. He died the next afternoon. Aren't you glad that's not the way Representative Hickson and Senator Rice handled their disagreements in 2014? Now, I'm not going to question their motives, whether or not they've wanted to do that. You know, we live in a civilized country, supposedly. But we still disagree, don't we? And many of us get really passionate about our beliefs and our opinions, which is fine to do. But is it possible to disagree with another person's opinions and not speak evil of that person? Is a pattern of good works to those with a godless worldview even attainable in 2014? God seems to not only say that it's possible, He seems to expect His children to live after the model of heavenly kindness. There are so-called Christians that hold up vile signs at the funerals of our servicemen that say horrible things on national news and try to get press over it. And I hate the fact that they give all Christianity a bad name. You know, in my experience, Christians are some of the most informed, some of the most active, some of the most caring citizens around. And as you battle for moral values, as you express your opinions, as you work in the community... Remember that you have a name to protect. It's not your name; it's the name above every name, Jesus Christ. And there is a call to serve with meekness. Quickly, let's look at our second major passage in the Scripture: 1 Timothy chapter two, verses one through three. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through three. It is just back a few pages to your left if you're looking for it in the New Testament. Here's what it says. It's such a unique passage. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are at authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. This is a fairly comprehensive plan for supporting civil authorities before our heavenly authority. Supplication is asking God to remove evil from those that we care about. Prayer itself is asking God to help others obtain good. And intercession is asking on behalf of Of someone else And then of course giving of thanks Living in gratitude for the mercies That God has placed upon us 1 Timothy 2 1 contains the greatest Means for us to help our public Servants To pray for them God has been merciful To the United States of America It is by his Mercies that we're not consumed His compassions Fail not They're new every morning. And it is by His faithfulness that we exist. We should pray for those in our leadership. You know, Mayor Nanklis was in the hospital last summer in July. and, And that was a time for Christian citizens to bring supplication on his behalf to God. Asking God to keep Fire Chief Wendelsdorf and our firemen safe in their duties. Asking God to protect police chief all good, and our officers is a Christian responsibility. It's something that we should do. And we can know them by name, and we can get to know them as individuals. You know, there's no value that can be placed on going to the throne of grace on behalf of our public servants. Intercession is invaluable. It is the highest thing that any of us can do Another human being. And I know that there are most of us who are just average Joes in the community, and we might say, Well, how can I make a difference? I don't even know the mayor. I've never met the governor. I'm just one of the little people. And uh, that wasn't a short joke. That's just, you know, some of you watch that because I know the crowd here, especially that guy over there. Yeah. Um, But we sometimes feel like we're helpless. We're the little guy. And you might be one of the little people, but you've got a big God. And God is the ultimate authority. See, praying for a leader doesn't require a personal relationship with that leader. Proverbs 21, verse 1 says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Remember, all authority comes from God. He's the one in charge. So let's pray for our leaders. We've been given a call to pray for them. But then I'd like to see last the call to remember God's purpose. And to do that, let's look back at 1 Timothy 2 and the passage here again. If you look at verse 3 again, look what it says. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. And you may notice the punctuation at the end is a semicolon of thoughts still going. And so then we continue our reading. Verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The best prayers that we can ever make are the ones that agree with God's will. You know, if we could know exactly what God's will is for other people, we'd know how to pray, wouldn't we? And if God wrote over somebody's head, pray for this guy he's struggling with, right? pray for this woman, she's got, and if it were right over their head, we'd know how to pray. But there are places in the Word of God where God has revealed His will to us. Verse 4 says, who will have all men to be saved. And we know that that's God's will for the human race. Our prayers should indicate that we want what God wants. We can see in these verses that God's ultimate goal for everyone, no matter what occupation, isn't mysterious or obscure. It's plainly stated, it is a purpose far beyond a career or a municipality, or a state, or a country. Verse 4 says that He will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You know, your accomplishments on this earth can be extraordinary. They can. They can be unbelievable, but they can't get you to God. There's no amount of service. There's no gift big enough. To buy you a place in heaven There's no church There's no denomination That has the authority To hand out tickets to heaven Our earlier passage Titus 3 says this in verse 5 Not by works Of righteousness Which we have done But according to his mercy He saved us By the washing of regeneration And the renewing of the Holy Ghost And salvation is only by him it's not on us, it's on Him. It's not something we do, it's something that's done by the cross of Jesus. Verse 5, back in 1 Timothy 2, we read, it says, There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only way to God. And so no matter who you are, no matter your occupation, no matter your status, your plans, your family situation, God has a purpose for you and you can know his purpose for you from this passage says he wants you to be saved. I know that's a general term that we hear a lot, and people kind of say, Well, what does that mean? Saved, what, what is born again? And verse six, I think, explains it so well who gave himself a ransom for all, a ransom. Who got kidnapped? Who's the captive? Well, he gave himself as a ransom, a payment. A payment for what? For my sins. For your sins. Romans 5 says it this way. But God commendeth, or gave, his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became sin for us so that we could become righteousness. In him. Every one of us is a captive to the disease of human sinfulness. But Jesus paid the ransom for our freedom, and God's purpose for you is eternal. It's much larger than what you do in a week or a year or a career. He wants you to be saved. I'd like to close our service today by offering a commitment prayer for our public servants. And would you bow with me as I pray? God, I thank you for every individual in this place today. I don't know them all personally, but you know the deepest part of each heart. Perhaps there are some in this room that have never accepted the ransom you paid on the cross. Help them to understand that they can receive the gift of eternal life. Right now even, during this commitment prayer. If they could speak to you right now in their heart. Not with magic words, but with meaningful words. Saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that because of my sin, I deserve eternal death. There's no good work I can do to restore relationship with you, God. So Jesus died for me. He gave his life for mine. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. I receive the gift of eternal life that you've freely given. I turn from my way to you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. And God, for those who have just received salvation, I pray that they will grow in personal relationship with you. And I also pray specifically for our public servants today. Many of them carry heavy burdens. Some face life and death issues every day. Some have buried emotions that they wish they could share with someone. Help them to know that they can bring their deepest feelings, their burdens to you. Some of our leaders deal with critics and skeptics on a regular basis. I pray that we would not be those skeptics, but that we would love them. They need your guidance and their protection in their lives from cynicism. Help these dear men and women to know that Centennial Baptist Church loves them. We care deeply for them and their labors. We care deeply for their souls. But our love, God, pales in comparison to yours. You truly are love. May our public servants have a walk with you. Oh God, give them foresight to see the issues that are coming. Give them wisdom to know how to handle those issues. And give them courage to act. We praise you for your goodness. We thank you for a special service like this one. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to have a baptism of two of our young fellows today from our children's ministries and uh, just as I prepare to do that by get my waiters on and things, I'm going to ask uh, Mayor, Mayor Darren Taylor from Middleton to come and say a word to us and Mayor Taylor has been kind enough to come today, I thank him so much how many of you, uh, would you stand if you're a resident of Middleton or kind of that area, even if you're not in city limits come on, don't be bashful, Middleton, let's go yeah all right, so the mayor has some constituents here today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. To give us a word. Thank you. Uh,
1: we have been spiritually fed from a master today, haven't we? Wasn't that a masterful sermon? Thank you, pastor, for those inspiring true words. Also, when we entered today, we heard the melody of angels, didn't we? What an amazing choir. Yes, and the message they gave was what? that through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our personal Savior, we are lifted higher than we can be alone. Isn't that marvelous? Yep, we are grateful for that in this time in the world. He helps us to become, when we ask and look toward him, what he knows we can become that we don't see. Sometimes, because we all sin, and fall short, we disappoint each other. Sometimes our spouses uh, disappointed in us, and sometimes us in them. Uh, we certainly tell our children sometimes, "Boy, you let me down on that one." And I'm sure they learn through experience that parents aren't always perfect. So we know that through Jesus Christ, in the family, we can learn these life's lessons with Christ as our center. He is our hope, and because of that, these are the best of times. These are the best of times, despite the commotion going on in the nation and the world. I work as mayor of Middleton. I was elected for four years, and after me, another person, and after that person, another person. And so it is that as we serve God and serve the Lord, humbling ourselves, recognizing Jesus as the true leader and rule maker, we recognize that we can give service in our communities. Some of us might be shy. Some of us might not be articulate. Some of us might um, not know what to do. We might not have knowledge. But as we learned from the Apostle Paul, not to every man is given every gift. But we all need each other, don't we? Because together we can fulfill the Lord's purpose so as a public servant in middleton i'm deeply grateful for this opportunity thank you for inviting us and honoring us it actually should be us honoring you As the pastor said, there is room for everybody in the house of the Lord. I am grateful to live in an area where Judeo-Christian values are strongly recognized, where they are present. There may be different denominations or churches or ways we think about some things, but a couple of truths are common. Jesus is our Savior. Nobody else. He's the only name given under heaven by which, through whom, we can be redeemed and brought back to our Lord's presence. So, as we try to interact with other people, as we talk through things that we might think differently about, um, the, the uh, pastor gave a masterful sermon today. Uh, wonderful. And we are expected, as children of God, to treat each other like children so in our City Council meetings in our Senate hearings in our representative meetings um, those are a little more orderly so you don't get into quite as much emotion but as they stated important decisions determining the struggles that we sometimes face or things that help us legislation affects our daily lives we really need to have people with faith and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, who are Christ-centered in those positions. Voting, learning about officials and voting is crucial. It's crucial. So invite youth especially. These are the best of times. There's a whole lot of reason to be upset in the world or not have hope, to say, why am I going to school or why why would I go to college? You know, it's going to cost me more than I'm going to get out of it. The Lord has asked us to be educated, become educated, learn, let's serve, let's participate with meekness and gentleness. And we heard that today from a very masterful uh, sermon given. So, a couple more comments. I'm winding up. Thank you for your time. It'll come back to me. I have gray hair. He left just a second ago. Oh, a, a joke. Sorry, Pastor, I was waiting for you to come out that door. I didn't know you were here. Thank you. The, uh, the uh, choir was amazing. Thank you to those who share their talents for those of us who don't quite have as much talent in that area. And I felt the spirit of the Lord during their song. It testified to me of the truthfulness of the words they were singing. And I think it was inspiring in a good way. One thing that is missing from city hall meetings, county commission meetings, uh, especially PNZ public hearings, planning and zoning commission public hearings, in Senate and um, representative meetings is music. So maybe, maybe we can have legislation that would allow inspired singing at the beginning of those meetings. (laughs) Senator? Uh, There are many things that cannot be done that would be much better. Um, More women serving in government, it's a different view. Uh, Just a lot of things, music, maybe inspiring music to start our meetings, but uh, we'll keep doing the best we can with the structure as it is and try and um, do what's right and do our best. Jesus Christ bought all of us with a price. We're all bought with a price. Let's not forget that. Thank you.
0: Baptized has nothing to do with getting this young man to heaven. That's through Jesus, as the mayor just said. But baptism helps us to give a symbol to others that we're followers of Jesus. And it shows forth the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Cain's going to be baptized today and then followed up by his brother. And thank you to his friends and family who've come to support him today. Caden, my brother. I baptize you in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. and he's seven years old and he's come today to identify with Jesus Christ in baptism. Mary, have you received Jesus into your heart? I baptize you, my brother, upon your profession of faith, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. (laughs)
1: We're honored that you all could be here with us today. We are thrilled and excited to what the Lord's going to do just through cultivating new relationships with you guys. Uh, We are honored to feed you guys some lunch after service. If you would do me a favor, I'm going to escort you guys out.